Hello and welcome back to the God's Story podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and I'm joined once again by my co-host, the Reverend Ian Reid of King's Grace Presbyterian Church, Palmerston North, New Zealand. Ian, welcome back to the show. Hi, how are you, Brent? I'm very well. I see you're dressed in, you've got a, I shouldn't mention this, you've got a blanket tucked around you. It's, it's a bit, a bit cold. It's a, it's a nano blanket, nano blanket here, isn't it? It is chilly. I'm cold. Yeah. Okay. Well, we don't want you freezing cold. We need you nice and warm and the brain lubricated for this discussion because we're back in the book of Mark. And today we're looking at chapter seven, verses one to 23 in a podcast we've entitled Claim, Counterclaim and Verdict. Now, uh, Ian, we've just had an action-packed chapter 6. What happened there? Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. He's just walked on water. Uh, it's, it has been action-packed. You know, kind of the, these uh, chapters through Mark are very action-packed. And, and this is what we're seeing, is that seeing Jesus is revealing who he is, uh, that he is the Son of God, but particularly that he's the King. Yes, and he's done it through some fairly dramatic means and through a miraculous video, so that really people who are in who have any perception whatsoever would get who he is, really. Yeah, and so particularly the disciples, no, no, you know, they're close in seeing what's going on, but they still don't get it yet. You know, we're getting to the point where they'll partially see what's going on, but we're, they're kind of working out who they are. Uh, sorry, who Jesus is and kind of you know, how they fit into the whole story as well. Mm. Now, in what sense today in Chapter 7 are we entering a courtroom? So what we have here is uh, people coming and accusing Jesus of something. They're claiming that he um, is something, and we're going to see that. And then yeah, there's kind of a, a counter uh, kind of uh, argument there and then kind of a verdict as well. The way that Mark kind of presents it to us is that there's an investigation come to uh, bring a verdict on Jesus, but actually the reverse happens. Yes, this isn't the first confrontation or court-type scene uh, we've seen in this gospel. Was there a, an, a, a, another set of confrontations back in about chapter 2 or 3? Three? 3, I think it was. Chapter 3, is it? Shall we have a quick, uh, quick glance backwards? I think it's I think it's chapter two. I think it's chapter two. Is it? Never mind. <laughs> we'll, we'll carry on. So um, this time it's a different accusation, though, that's levelled at the Lord Jesus, isn't it? What is the claim here? Shall, shall we read it? You, the, the, I, I was going to read verses oh, one. You can read verses one to five. I'll I've got verses one to five. Because yeah. yeah, it comes up there. Isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law, who had come from Jerusalem gathered round Jesus and saw some of the disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the, the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? Mm. So who are the people who are attacking Jesus here? Now, this is, this is one of the interesting things, is that you have teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem. Now, probably, there's also Pharisees there um, as well, but the, the teachers of the law, they were kind of a, a special group of people who had been trained in interpreting the Old Testament law. And so you had to go through exams. You had to had to do a whole bunch of stuff uh, to kind of get certified in this. And they had their, a, a bit like theological students or, or candidates for the ministry these days. And if you know anything about them, they're kind of uh, great people, aren't, aren't they, Brent? You kind of 
you know, they never take technical issues, you know, kind of to heart. And oh, never, absolutely not. <laughs> and so, so what you have here is you have these teachers of the law, but the interesting thing is that they've come from Jerusalem, so it's uh, they've come to investigate, and that was kind of where the seat of power was for the, particularly for the religious rulers. Um, and so what they've done is they've probably sent a delegation out to, to investigate who Jesus is. Now, why does Mark give us all this information about Jewish practices? Uh, now, is this the what, what we now know as the Talmud? Possibly. Mm, th- these are all the laws that have been added on since the original law. Yeah, so you had, um, so you had the original law, the way that it was uh, a Jewish person would read, uh, the, the kind of scriptures, they had the Jewish law in the middle, then around it you had uh, commentary on it. So you had the Midrash, is that right? And then, mm-hmm. then the Talmud, uh, which kind of gave commentary on the laws itself. And so they went further than the law did. And if you have a look at verses 3 and 4 there, they're all in brackets because it's kind of an explanatory note on, on that little bit about uh, from verse 2, that what's going on. Now there's, there's a couple of... There's Possibly, I think, of at least two reasons why this would happen. Uh, one is that Mark is writing to a Gentile community. Or, I was going to say, is he writing? He must be writing to Gentiles who don't know this. Or it's written at a later date where these practices have gone away. And so it's, I, I think it's probably the former, that, that there are Gentiles in the community uh, and so they had to explain what was going on uh, rather than it being written later on than, um, you know, potentially would be after maybe after the temple's gone and all those and some of those practices would have gone away but um i think that in jewish communities knowledge of that would have stayed around for for quite some time oh for sure now why did the old testament priests have to go through the ceremonial cleansing so it was a way of uh making yourself presentable to god and so because god is holy uh he when we come and worship him um, particularly in the Old Testament, the way that you would do that was that you would go through ritual cleaning. Uh, their practice was actually quite, it was quite simple what they had to do. It was not a huge kind of rigmarole of doing that. But uh, so you would clean yourself uh, so that you could present the uh, sacrifices to God and they would be holy as well. Now, what's the motivation behind the Pharisees' accusations here? They don't like Jesus. <laughs> you know, there's just been this battle the whole time, hasn't there? That these these people, particularly the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they, they just do not like Jesus for whatever reason it is, whether they think he's just kind of stirring up uh, kind of problems. and that, So they're very antagonist, antagonistic towards him. Now, it wouldn't have anything to do with personal jealousy because they can't do what he can, would it? Well, right. Is it back in Chapter 1 where we hear that Jesus, you know, people are like, this Jesus, he speaks with power and authority, and you know, kind of if you if you've been, you know kind of been someone who who's been going around preaching, you're like, oh, how about me? <laughs> you know. So I do, I do wonder if that's the case. If there's a lot, a lot of jealousy kind of sitting behind a lot of this stuff. Mm. I think there may there may be, but who are we to say? Now, why do the Pharisees attack? And why do the, this is interesting? Why do the Pharisees attack the disciples, but not Jesus directly? Yeah, it is a good question, but it's about association. I, I, this is how I've understood it: is that uh, if if the if the disciples are doing it and they're associating with Jesus, then he is also unclean as well. And so it's kind of about association. But a part of that, I wonder, is also that because they're his followers, that he must be also kind of instigating 
kind of this. They're the fruit of his teaching, and so if they're doing it, then he must be teaching about it. They're quite subtle here and devious, aren't they? They're not actually coming out and accusing him uh, to his face. They're doing it by implication, and he's almost guilty by association with these people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, and I think it's kind of one of those, you know, a tactic that you, mm. you rather than kind of point the finger directly at Jesus, you point the finger around Jesus at the people around him and say, hey, what's going on here? By association, you are pointing the, the, the finger mm-hmm. at Jesus, but it's kind of a, a tactic. Yes. Uh, let's come on and carry on with... Uh, shall I read the next Please bit? do. Mark chapter 6... Uh, sorry, let's get, let's get the chapter right. Mark chapter 7, verses 6 to 13. Uh, we carry on. So, uh, the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. Just go straight for the jugular. There's no, <laughs> subtle, no subtlety here at all. As it is written, the people, This people honours me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honour your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you would have gained from me as Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> right, well, um, and the old story is if someone attacks you, you go on the counterattack, and that's exactly what the... So why does the Lord Jesus here then respond with this counterclaim or accusation? It's interesting how he does it, isn't it? He doesn't just kind of subtly just say, oh, you know, I'll answer your question and I'll, I'll just kind of appease you. He just goes straight in there and just kind of, um, you know, attacks them directly back. But look at what he says. He, sa- he calls them hypocrites, you know, kind of saying, um, yeah, but look at what, and the other thing is he quotes scripture at them. You know, kind of, yes. Oh, that's wonderful, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, which, which is interesting, isn't it? He, he, he kind of, he knows what is going on in their hearts and so, and why they're accusing Jesus of these things, and so he goes straight to the heart of their kind of of them and shows them where they're wrong, rather than defending himself. Yes, he bypasses the the whole accusation and the rationale, and and sees what's really behind. He sees what's behind the personal attack, and and goes for that. Goes for the jugular in that sense. So, what really is the Pharisees' problem, Rido? Well, it's it's in the quote from Isaiah. These lips. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are about rules taught by men. They've, they've got a heart problem, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like every human being, um, that we we want to run away from God and want to kind of put up our defences to get away from him rather than run to him. And he, God has shown up on the scene. And so what do they want to do with him? They want to get rid of him. Mm. And and this is all of us. I mean, we sound as though we're we're again the Pharisees, but it's all of us. We all have this problem. And when we uh, when we see these people responding to Jesus this way, we have to look into our own hearts, really. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's the first step, isn't it? That we need to point the finger in, inward and say, actually, I can definitely be like these people. I need to identify with the baddies often rather than the goodies. Yeah. They are annoying, though. I've got to say, drive me out the wall. Anyway. <laughs> Edit that bit out. Well, very next question: What does Jesus reveal here about religious people, and indeed all of us? That very thing that we one they were hypocrites, but two that that 
even our religiosity is a form of running away from God because it says, I can make my way to you and I can obey and keep these laws or these rules or whatever it is. Uh, but ultimately, that's a form of me doing the work rather than actually uh, understanding who God is, having a relationship with him and, and knowing him. You know, I'm the one that earns my way there rather than he being the one that comes to me uh, and and brings me into relationship. So this really is a, a problem with, with religious legalism, isn't it? Yes, yeah, mm. and we see it all around us. And, and I think, interestingly, it it flows out not even in organised religion, but just everywhere around us. People are worshiping things, and they worship it in this way. Uh, and when you when you notice it, you go, "Oh wow, that that is quite interesting." How people are being Pharisaical about that thing or that other thing, even if it's not a, a particularly re- religious thing. Do you think? Um, do you think we live in a very? I'm going to use the word moralistic culture. Do you? If you listen to the talkbacks, you often I often hear people really getting down on other people for doing something that they consider to be uh, offensive or morally wrong, and it's just a form of legalism. Do you think? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, I don't want to be harsh on, on Kiwis, but, but New Zealand does seem a, a great place for that, where I do the right thing. But look at all of you guys doing the wrong thing, or look at that person doing the wrong thing. And there's a lot of mob mentality around that as well. Yeah, mob. I think I think I think I take the criticism as a New Zealander. I think you only have to listen to our talkbacks, and you'll hear it all the time, day in day out. Maybe but that's it, not the best representation of. of no, but it, but it's interesting, and it also interests me how often. Uh, uh, folk in the media set themselves up as the great moral arbiters. I mean, I mean, I'm a media person, um, but I'd be the first to say it that that I, I'm I'm uh, astonished at the the level of criticism that's made uh, by media people. Mm. Yeah, it, it is interesting, isn't it? And that there's this kind of undercurrent of morals that we hold together somehow, and and kind of there's the, the criticism flows when you, you breach those. You know, the criticism flows very quickly. And there's an absolute outrage uh, that someone has, has dared to do something that, of course, we would never do. Sort of virtue signalling, I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, how does verse 9 there introduce what you call the smoking gun? I love that phrase. Well, he what he does is he kind of he introduces a piece of evidence to back up his claim uh, from from Isaiah that they're just their hearts are far from God, and so what he does is he points to to something that's going on in their lives. In fact, that they have commanded in terms of they, that they've set rules about to show. Um, so, in, in Jesus is introducing this piece of evidence to show what their hearts are really like. Yes, and, and how are these uh, so-called religious people not even helping their own parents, which is something that we should all do from time to time? Yeah, and this is, this is uh, Jesus' point, isn't it, is that you have God's command about uh, loving your parents, uh, and then you've introduced another command which stands over the top of that, which allows you to get away from loving them. And so what they would do was that they would uh, have a... Have you know, a piece of property or something like that, and they would devote it to God in service of God. And that was very loosely, you know, kind of interpreted how, how you could use it, um, which would mean that you couldn't, but it would mean that you it allowed you not to look after your parents using that, you know, kind of piece of property or whatever it is. Yeah, so they've completely subverted the and distorted the whole meaning of the commandment in the first place. Verses 14 to 23 of chapter 7. 
And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Now, what does Jesus here mean by the heart? Yeah, it's more than just you know, kind of the emotions, isn't it? It's the the very seat of who we are as human beings. It's a kind of it's much deeper than than just our emotions. It includes that, but it's our very centre of being. We might say. Mm. So it's more than uh, it's more like our emotional or our whole intelligence, our whole. Um, person yes rather than we think of the heart as primarily a seat of emotion don't we in the modern west i think yeah so what is jesus saying here about our human condition it's not not a good state of affairs well it is and it isn't because the the in one sense he's saying um it's not the it's not the things that we do or the things that we might say that make us unclean um and so it's not the so you don't can't just wipe it off. You can't just wipe off the uncleanness. But there's something deeper down going inside, uh, and so which is which is bad because we can't actually get deep down inside. And if you've ever had the chance to stop and reflect deeply about your your own soul and your own inner being, it's not quite a pleasant you know kind of time, um, you know, or happy place that you kind of come to, is it? But there is hope that that flows out of that that. There is someone that can get in there and do something about it. Yes. Why can't we solve our own heart problem? Well, it's the way God, God's designed it. Right? Yeah, kind of. Well, in, it goes right back to the fall, doesn't it? In, in terms of what is the what is the, our real heart problem? It's our disconnection from God, and because we are God's enemies, we have become His enemies. Uh, we we just can't we can't restore that relationship, but on our own, He has to be the one that does it. And that's what the old, whole Old Testament is about, is that no matter what track humans go down, they cannot solve that problem of reconnecting with God, fixing their heart. It can only be God that does that. And that's why Jesus is standing there saying these words, because I am here to do this. Yes. So uh, how then can we all be, how in fact can we be justified? Well, we need Jesus to make us clean. You know, it's, it's pretty simple, isn't it? And um, you know, what, what does Jesus say? What comes out of man is he went on verse 20 what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean for from the out of a man's heart comes all of these evil things all these come from inside and makes a man unclean it's what's inside and so what we need because it's inside of us we can't clean ourselves we need jesus to be the one that does the cleaning mm. Very well. Uh, so that's that chunk of Mark. Thank you, Rito, uh, the Reverend Ian Reed of King's Grace Presbyterian Church in Palmerston North. And thanks to our uh, sponsor, Liquid Edge, who take care of this of uh, the, the sponsorship of this podcast and take care of things behind the scenes. Ian, thank you once again. Thank you. 
We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating and leave a review. This will help more people discover God's story for themselves. If you'd like to get in touch or learn more, please visit godstorypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's godstorypodcast.com.